Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Garth Ball. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Ah, oh, wow, really um, excited to be sharing here this morning. Uh, continuing on this theme that Pastor Phil launched last week. And as you can see, we are talking this morning about Jesus the servant. And I I find it really interesting that as you go through Scripture, that all the greatest leaders and influences in Scripture are known as servants. And we read in Romans 1.1, Paul introducing himself to the Romans, he introduced himself as Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Uh, James says the same thing, introduces himself as James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Nehemiah 10.29, it talks about the law of God that was given through Moses, uh, the servant of God. And in Judges 2.8, it talks about Joshua, the son of Nun. Uh, I think Nathan Cairns taught me in year six that Joshua was the first orphan in the Bible. Is that right? The son of Nun? You, you told me that. He was the son of Nun. He had no parents. Uh, Joshua, the son of Nun, uh, the servant of the Lord. You taught me that, Nathan. I'm telling you, in year six, when I taught you, I taught you in year six. And you, said, and you gave me a mission as your teacher to find out who was the first orphan. Uh, the servant of the Lord died at, uh, at the age of 110. So all of these wonderful people of God who did great exploits identified primarily not as the man, you know, the great man of God, the great leader of all, but the servant of God. And of course, today we're looking at the greatest example of servanthood, and that is Jesus. And, it, you know, throughout the Old Testament, we see that Jesus was prophesied uh, to come with titles such as the suffering servant of the Lord and the servant of the Lord. So uh, leading up to his arrival on earth, we hear about this thought that he is a great servant. When he turns up uh, on earth, uh, we, we read scriptures like Philippians 2.7 that says, uh, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And, and, and you can sort of understand that, you know, we hear that a lot. Yeah, Jesus came to earth to serve. But one thing I wasn't really familiar with until I started diving into this topic a little bit more is that not only did Jesus serve pre-cross, pre-resurrection, but that that is a very nature and function that he will serve into eternity. Uh, in Luke, in uh, ver- chapter 12, verses 35 to 37, it says this, Be dressed for service, this is us, and that service, there it is again, and keep your lamps burning, as though you are waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you'll be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, and here's this, I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them put on an apron and serve them as they sit and eat. So even in eternity, as we sit down and dine together, that Jesus is there going to be functioning in the role of serving his servants, even in that space. And so what a, what a wonderful opportunity we have today to look at the gospel of Mark, 
very briefly and big picture, but the concept and the unveiling of Jesus as the servant. And if you weren't here last week, Pastor Phil uh, introduced this thought that in all four of the Gospels, we see a different function and a different uh, role of Jesus and a different uh, aspect of his nature in who he is. And Pastor Phil spoke last week about, in Matthew, about Jesus the King. Uh, I'm looking here today at Jesus the Servant. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll look at other facets. And it's, it's, it's necessary because you can't just say Jesus is one thing. So you can't, and, and it's interesting that we've got to be careful that we don't limit and try and describe God by one truth. Because it's not, you know, I can't say, oh no, Jesus didn't come as a king, he came as a servant. It's not uh, either or, it's yes and. That, that it's sort of like, yeah, it's sort of like this and it's sort of like that and there's this aspect of him and there's this aspect of him. There's so much to the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ that we have to look at him from all these different angles. And so, uh, you know, a brief breakdown of the book of Mark. And some people would, uh, I've, I've been looking at, a lot of Bible teachers encourage us to sit down and read Mark in one setting. It's the shortest gospel, uh, and it's actually the one that Matthew and Luke used as a source for their material. So uh, I think in Matthew, uh, uh, don't quote me on, the, um, it's one of them, don't quote the details, there's truth in it, but uh, I don't want to be misquoted, but it's like of, of 660 verses in Mark, like 600 of them are found in Matthew. It's not plagiarism as much as it is sourcing, uh, like we would source uh, as well. So uh, you can break down Mark into two big picture sections of the service of the servant uh, and all the great works that Jesus did from verse 1-1 to 10-52. And then for the remaining five to six chapters, we see the sacrifice of the servant and the fact that the servant went to the cross and paid the price for us all. Um, how else do we see the servant in Mark? Why do we say that Jesus is the servant in Mark? Well, uh, obviously we see him serving people, meeting people's needs, feeding 5,000 people and healing the sick and setting people free and all of these wonderful things. Um, we, we see that, you remember last week that there, is a, there was a long genealogy of the descendants of Jesus in Matthew because everyone wants to know the, the, the history of a king. But when we're looking at the servant, there's no genealogy because no one cares about the history of a slave. Um, the word immediately... They call Mark the action-packed gospel, and that if there was a movie to be made from one of the gospels, it would be this one, because there is, it's fast-paced, uh, Jesus is moving here, there, everywhere, and the word translated immediately or suddenly is used around 40 times in just the 16 chapters. And the reason for that, there's a few suggestions out there, but one of the main ones, and one of the ones that resonates the most with me, is that it pictures the immediacy of the servant's response to his father as he hears the father's voice to go and serve humanity, which is really wonderful. And so, if I can summarize what we're looking at here today, it's that Jesus, the Son of God, left his comfort in heaven, his heavenly comfort, to come to earth as a human and serve his father's purpose and to serve people and that that is what we are called to do also. And it becomes really phenomenal the more you, like I was reading Mark 1 this morning and I read how John the Baptist said 
that there is one coming who's, who, who I'm not even worthy to bend down like a slave and untie his sandals. So this is the Jesus that John was talking about, that John was saying, I'm not even worthy to be his servant. You know, you know I don't know if you can think of anyone I can't think of anyone where I'd say, you're not worthy to serve me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like serving by very nature is a, a lesser role, serving a greater role. But John said, I, it's, it's like I'm not even worthy to serve. That is how grand this guy is. Yet he came, as we're about to see, not to be served, but to serve others. Fascinating story. And so we have to look at the life of Jesus in this gospel and see, how does that change how we live? How does that change how we live? And so um, we're going to look at a couple of thoughts here this morning. We're not going to be too long, but we're going to look at this thought of how uh, Jesus served God and how we are to serve God and how Jesus served people and how we're do, to do the same thing as well. And so why don't we pray? Why don't you close your eyes and we're going to ask the Lord to speak to us today. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful book of writing called the Gospel of Mark, and we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would reveal by the Holy Spirit today the person of Jesus to us, that we would see this facet of uh, Jesus as servant uh, clearly, Lord. I pray that you would open our minds, that you would open our eyes, that you would open our ears to to see Jesus revealed. Lord, you said, Paul prayed that that we would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And Lord, I pray here this morning that we would have the same spirit of revelation that we would understand and see Christ. And therefore, Lord, something would shift from when we walk out of here today in how we live life, how we serve God, how we serve humanity in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. So, uh, got a few scriptures today, but let's have a look. Now, uh, here's a little disclaimer. Now would be, if you're not up for some hard scriptures, now would be a good time to use the bathroom. Uh, or fake a phone call, or whatever is needed to avoid listening to some hard stuff. Because servanthood sounds fluffy and light and easy, but it is no joke. (laughs) It is serious. And the two scriptures we're going to look at are quite full on. So, um, you know, if you need to do that, please go and be released to do that. Otherwise, let's dive into Mark 8 together. Let's look at serving God before we look at serving people. And this is just a scripture, you know, I've picked a a couple of scriptures in Mark that we can unpack to see what serving really looks like. And it says in verse 34, then calling the crowd to join his disciples. Now that's, even that's very interesting, right? Because what we're talking about, uh, Jesus, you know, Peter was saying, Jesus, how dare you talk about dying and this and that. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Uh, You know, of course you think about things from a worldly point of view. And then, and Jesus, when he's talking to Peter, he looks around at his, he said, he looks at the, the disciples and then rebuked Peter. And then he brought the whole crowd into the conversation. So sometimes we look at these passages and we think, oh, this is like for the super Christians. This is for the Christians in nations that are experiencing extreme persecution. But for us here on the central coast of New South Wales, this one is one that we put to the side. But no, Jesus says, hey, while we're talking about these disciples, let's bring everyone else around as well. And so he says, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he says, hey, you guys, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. 
And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Are you there? <laughs> so, now, now, let's not dumb this down a little bit. This was written in a, in a season of history where uh, Nero, Nero was killing Christians. So when it says, take up your cross, it doesn't mean... Uh, Look, when it's raining on Sunday morning, you've still got to get up early, get the kids ready and get to church. If that is included in what he's talking about, it's a very small aspect of it. Some of the things we call a cost are really privileges. Some of the things that we think, wow, Lord, look at me, how much of a price am I paying? It's really not included in that. In It's context, it really is talking about taking up a cross and paying the ultimate price of our life for our faith. That's pretty full on. But, you know, and, 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 but, you know let's just lighten up a little bit and hope no one here has to ever do that. Um, but there is things, this whole thought of, uh, what does it say? It says, give up your own way. Isn't that fascinating? That goes completely against the primary message and narrative of our world today. The narrative of our world is look after number one. Look after yourself, your family, build your house, build your empire, build your kingdom. Everything else is secondary. Let's live for ourselves. But here comes Jesus says, hey crowd, gather around. If you want to be my follower, not if you want to be my leader in the church, not if you want to be a super disciple, not if you want to be a super Christian, if you want to be an average Joe, follower, disciple of Jesus, you've got to give up your way. Absolutely phenomenal stuff. Um, let, you know, and, and some of the scriptures, as I say, I want to read some scriptures because I think let's, let's scripture speak for itself this morning. I've got two scriptures here that describe what it's like, what God thinks about living life for ourselves and another one about what he thinks about living life for him. And 2 Timothy 3.1 says this, Paul writing to Timothy, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. Like that even of itself is a pretty apt depiction of a lot of the society in which we live. Uh, Loving ourselves, our way, our money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. Isn't it interesting how the Lord puts describes sin like it's not like he he talks about adultery and murder and you know you know other i've got kids present other nasty things and then he's like as the heavy duty ones and then you know are oh, complaining and ungr- ungratefulness as the small ones it's like it's all mixed in together like he says that one of you know ungrateful i read that this morning and i've gone wow that's like being ungrateful is, is a sign of an ungodly attitude on the inside of us. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. Sounds like social media to me. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. And if that doesn't describe the Western world as we know it, I don't know what does, that we love pleasure, 
rather than God. On the contrary, one of my favorite people in Scripture is Moses, who we've already heard was described as a servant of God. And this fascinates me in Hebrews 11. It describes him, and I hope this speaks to you as much as it does for me. It talks about Moses, who was born into the very royal household of Egypt, and it describes his response to God in that. And it says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was, um, and, and, and then it says, It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. So we have this contrast between living life for ourselves, living life for the temporal pleasures. And I'm not being all like, you know, don't enjoy stuff. I like some stuff, all right? You know, like, you know, if we want to get too legalistic in here, then, you know, put all any, anything that costs you over $5 off your body, get some sackcloth and ashes and, you know, um, and, and then come back to us. But maybe not because even sackcloth might be, you know, a bit too high level. So I'm not talking about getting too carried away. I'm talking about a governing attitude on the inside of us, not a legalistic rule of not enjoying life. God has called us to enjoy life as well. But there is, a, there is an underlying uh, thing here that, that, it is, that life is not about primarily about our purposes. And I tell you what, there's nothing like something like... Um, uh, what, was it Kobe Bryant, wasn't it? Who, you know, the famous basketball player who died in a helicopter crash. And those things are horrendous. But what opportunities they are to really just understand the brevity of what we're doing here. So often when things are going well, it feels like we're going to be here for eternity. And, and actual eternity is just a figment of the imagination. But there's moments in life where the significance and the seriousness and the reality of the temporal nature of earth is like open to us and an awareness that actually the most important thing is standing before God at the end of our days and hearing something along the lines of good and faithful leader. No, business person. No, servant. Good and faithful servant. And so... Uh, you know, we hear in this, and this is what this church was all about. We'll talk more about that later, but people who understood that there is something more than just building the things that we do in life. And so I guess the first thing that I read about and I see about Jesus the servant is he gave up his, divin- his, his, his divine place of uh, rule and comfort in heaven to come down and he fixed his eyes like Moses did on something far greater than what was going on around him and what, you know, the things that we can do and the things that we can obtain and popularity and all of this. And he said, there is something more important, there is something greater, and that is God and his purposes on the earth. So that's serving God. Massive, right? And, uh, but what a joy, you know, and, and as, you, as, as you grow and you walk with God more and more, there is nothing more fulfilling and joyful than, than being able to lay one's pride, one's uh, agenda, one's ambition aside and offering it to God for Him to work through you. 
And, you know, if, if that doesn't excite you this morning, that's okay. Um, but I would suggest to you that you've got some work to do to just uh, understand what the nature of Christianity really is. And, and the more, you know, I'm not saying it, there's no pill where you can just decide that, oh, yeah, this is, you know, this is the life I want to live. It's almost like every time you walk through pain, every time you walk through suffering, every time you walk through a moment where you could deny God and follow your own ways. Every time you choose him over you, it resolves something on the inside to get to the point where you go, this is actually beautiful. And, and in the midst of it, there is great beauty. There is, you know, you, you, you know, raising wonderful families and having kids and getting married and, uh, you know, doing wonderful things like being able to go and start a church in Africa and whatever it might be that you're, you know, there is beauty in it all, but, but we've got to understand that, that nothing in this world is secure and we've always got to just have an underlying thing in our hearts that Jesus, I'm serving you, come what may, whether it means taking up a physical cross, a metaphorical one, whatever that looks like, you are Lord of my life. Cool. Secondly, serving people. Because ultimately, some people find it easier to serve God. How good would it be to serve God in isolation? Locked in your room with no other people around to get in the way of it, uh, no other you know people to make you angry and frustrated and uh, and all of that. But ultimately, as we serve God and as we surrender to Him and we say, God, we exist for You, and 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 fulfilling Your purposes on the earth. Ultimately, that leads to serving humanity recklessly, extraordinarily, in a magnificent way, and. Uh, because ultimately, at the end of the day, God's purpose for you is people. Uh, he's peop- if you want to know what's God's plan for my life, well, I don't know exactly, but it's probably going to be helping other people. Not probably, it will be. Uh, in some way, shape or form, whatever that looks like, if it doesn't end in helping others, you probably have missed the whole purpose of what God wanted you to do for that thing anyway. Because He is here, the Great Commission... I don't have a, we don't have a new mission statement at C3 Nairobi. Uh, people, what's your mission statement? It's like, oh, well, um, there's this one that Jesus gave us, and it was go into all the earth and make disciples of all nations, teaching people, baptizing, you know, all of that. So I was like, making disciples, that's what our mission is. I'm pretty sure it was given 2,000 years ago, and I think it's still pretty relevant today. And so whatever it means to serve God, it must and has to find its way out in a manifestation of serving other people. So the last main scripture we'll look at today, Mark 10, another challenging one. So if you regret not leaving in the first one, now would be an appropriate time for the second one. And it says this, Mark 10, 35, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and, uh, and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. What is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. (laughs) And he said, are you able to drink the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able, idiots. So silly, so silly. That is not an easy task, I'm telling you right now. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink of my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. 
when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. So Jesus called them together for another group meeting, some mediation and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. And this is the pinnacle verse in the book of Mark. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Such a powerful scripture. What, if nothing else, if no other scripture describes the upside down kingdom of God, this is one that does. That everything that the world stands for and promotes and celebrates and teaches is polar opposite to that which Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God. In the world, it's about power. In the kingdom, it's about servanthood. And so, you you know, Mark, verse 42 there, it said, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their, their authority to those under them. And so, if I think about worldly power, what does it mean if I'm functioning in my workplace, in my family, in whatever role that I've got in life and whichever sphere that God's called me to serve in, if I'm functioning in a worldly way, it often looks like this. We try to control people, exploit people, and trample people. So we control people so that uh, either they build our vision or at least they don't get in the way of our vision. So it's like you just get down there and keep, keep under control, don't get too carried away. We exploit people, meaning we use them for our purposes. And do you know what I was thinking about this? That this can even be, this can even come in the, in the, with the mirage of uh, encouragement and kindness. Like how, how often are you, you know, everyone's had that office worker that has the rights to the photocopying machine and you need them to get, you know, what you need at that point. And they're quite a painful person and quite hard to get along with, but you're, you know, you need them. So you, hey, good morning. Oh, you look lovely today. Isn't that a nice dress you've got on? Uh, did you do, get your hair done? You know, sometimes we can be nice to someone, but it's actually because we're trying to get something from them. I would say that's borderline exploitation, not treating them with dignity for the simple fact that we're called to serve them and treat them with dignity. That's, my, that's, that's an interesting thought. Uh, we trample people. It's like push everyone else out of the way, stand on their backs if you need to, to get up the top and to achieve what we need to achieve. Push people out of the way. You're out of the way. I'm going for this. I'm going for that. That's the way of the world. It's power. It's selfish ambition. It's, it's number one is the highest goal and others are there to either... They're either doing their own thing and indifferent or they're there to serve us or their competition that stops us getting in our way. Man, completely, sorry? Absolutely right. Yeah, exactly right. What's happening this week in the sumo? Ah, oh, no, you get out of the way. I'm doing this. Like, you know, um, whatever it might be that, but it's not, it's not kingdom. It's not kingdom. In the kingdom, Mark 10, 43, it says, but among you, it will be different. Not a little bit different not slightly different, not at times different, but sometimes similar. 
the, completely, the, the whole picture of how we live our life will be polar opposites to controlling, exploiting, and trampling over people. The way we live in the kingdom is that we free people to live their God purpose, uh, that we empower people for the call of God on their lives, and that we champion people to go as high as they possibly can, knowing that their success does not mean I am limited in mine. God is the one, there is more, you know what, there is no shortage of opportunity to do something great for God on the earth. It says the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. So if you are threatened by someone else, oh, they took my job, they took my role, I was supposed to be preaching, not them. Don't the pastor see that I should be up there? Uh, oh, why is Warren playing bass? I'm better, I'm better than him. Uh, that whatever it is, we can't be threatened by people. We champion people and we serve humanity. And that should come in every aspect of our life. And, and just to finish, here's a couple of thoughts on, on how that works out. Let's think about work for a second. I spoke to, I met a guy the other day. He's on the board at Oxford Falls. And um, he was the COO of uh, IGA and has reached high levels in the food and grocery industry and I didn't know who he was at first of course he was you know I was talking to him I wouldn't have known he could have been anyone and he said something along the lines of um, I never even had a great vision for my life all I did was to serve people with whatever I was asked to do and people just kept asking me to do do more and more things for them and you know he's serving on all sorts of boards he's had huge success in worldly ways and and, and, he, and he said that's how that, that was my heart it wasn't to dominate it wasn't become to become the man it was to be a christian in the marketplace that just served whatever god placed in front of him and he and he messaged me this he said the point because i said can you summarize that conversation for me he said the point was that the highest level of leadership is servanthood serving your people customer and other key stakeholders always resulted in growing your influence because people respected you, not your position. And, uh, and I would even take it a step further that can we just serve people even if they do nothing for us? I think the picture of kingdom servanthood is how do you treat people who can do nothing for you? Anyone can treat someone nicely and serve someone who has something to offer them. And we all do. But what can you do for someone? And that's what I love about Pastor Phil. Like when someone comes here in his church, you know, so many pastors are like, oh, hey, how are you? First time here? Yeah, what's your story? It's like new person alert, new potential church member alert. And they're like, oh, you know, I'm just visiting from out of town. And, and you know, that's where most pastors go. Okay, great. God bless you. Uh, anyone else? Pastor Phil is just like, well, great. You've come here this morning. Let me give you some, let me pray for you, let me prophesy over you, let me anoint you with oil, let me just, you know, whatever it takes, you're going to leave here with a blessing. Not because that person can do anything for him, they're not going to be part of the church, they're not going to give to the church, they're not going to serve in the church, they're not going to help his vision in any way, shape or form. But he knows that the call of God on his life is to serve humanity and therefore does that, which I, I really respect. And so, you know, contrast that with, I used to work at Video Easy, I don't know if you remember Video Easy. Young people, Joey, there used to be a, sh a shop where you would hire a VHS and then get debt collectors to chase people because they don't return them. That was the summary of working at Video Easy. 
But uh, yeah, didn't rewind the video. You had to put it in the thing. Press rewind. Oh, man, it was serious. Um, but, but I remember there was a, a 2IC, an assistant manager came to start working for us. And I remember he was frustrated one day and he was talking about how the boss was, you know, not, not really believing in him. And he said, you know, it's like, you know, it's the old thing. You never show your 2IC everything because otherwise they don't need you and they'll replace you. I was like, oh, is that right? I never knew that was a thing. He said, yeah, it's known. You, you never tell your assistant everything. Make sure that you've still got something that no one else knows, so you are still, you know, you're indispensable. So, oh my goodness, in the kingdom, and that's what I love about C3, is that we're full of leaders that just want the next generation, want the 2IC, want the 3IC to do better, go further, do bigger things than anything we've ever done. Brings me great joy to, to know that in C3 Nairobi, they have, they're doing more, uh, they're doing better metrics-wise since we left than when we were there for four years. Uh, if I was insecure, that would not be a very pleasant thing. But because I'm less insecure than I used to be, uh, it brings me great joy. Uh, so, and, and Colossians, speaking of Colossians, Pastor Phil, thank me for this. What an incredible book talking about how our salvation should influence every area of our lives. Colossians 3.22 says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do, and we can apply this to our work. Try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear for the Lord. Serve people because you fear God. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than working for people. Remember that the Lord, the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. So even that tyrant of a boss, the one that causes you pain, the one you can't get away from fast enough, serve them like you're serving the Lord because you're serving the Lord, not them. Fascinating upside down kingdom. We can get the band back up. I only have time for like one more. Let's talk about marriage for a second. Single people, take note. Married people, I'm probably preaching to the choir, unless that is, of course, you are sitting on different sides of the room to your spouse this morning, then this may be helpful to you. The biggest lesson, Jamie, and this is, again, I'm preaching to, you know, people who know this. The biggest lesson Jamie and I learned when we're engaged for two years, that's a long Christian engagement, two years, long Christian engagement. And uh, we learned was, don't try and change the other person. Change yourself. You know, so if we're in, because, you know, because I was like, Jamie, you need to change A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Jamie was like, Garth, you need to change A. Yeah, probably one thing that you need to change, Garth. <laughs> She's in the mother's room. She can't argue. Uh, <laughs> no, we we're like, you need to change this before we're going to get married. No, you need to change that before we're going to get married. That sounds very much like you need to serve me. You need to serve me. That sounds like worldly power to me. But the minute we realize, and, and someone spoke into our world and said, don't try and change the other person, focus on yourself. Everything changed. Everything changed. Because I remember, I think I remember the moment where I saw Jamie working on something in her heart and she communicated something about that. And I just thought, wow. I'm really grateful that she's doing this. What can I do to reciprocate that? 
And it was like I was inspired to now serve her because I saw her laying her life down for me. I thought, how selfish. I think this, in a marriage, an, an unwillingness to work on your own pain, trauma, and weakness is one of the most selfish things you can do. Because it's not just you who, who lingers in that pain, it's your spouse that now has to linger in that as well. Because all the overflow of that pain is something they're going to have to deal with. Spouse, you can thank me later for saying that to your spouse. But it's probably more directed at you than them because remember, we're changing ourselves. It's not about them. We want to serve. Like, will you really lay your life down for your wife? Will you really lay your life down for your husband? Can you really love your wife as Christ loved the church? Then don't make demands of her that she has to reach until you're able to say that that's enough is enough. Yes, you've now ticked the boxes for me to you know, to approach me and come into this relationship. No, no, what can you do consistently to serve her, him in your marriage so that together you can experience transformation and walk into a wonderful, wonderful life together? Parents, we, I salute you. I have so much parent remorse or, or single remorse, like non-parent remorse. Whatever it is when you don't have kids and you don't understand what it's like. <laughs> Uh, you know, the amount of times that you look at a parent laying something down for their children, phenomenally selfless. You know, I see my wife laying down so much of stuff that she used to be able to hold on to, to serve our daughter. Beautiful. It, it, makes, it makes me so happy. Just be mindful that you don't lay down things for family that the Lord hasn't asked you to lay down. Side note, you don't lay down the call of God on your life for family. You do the call of God with your family. Bring them into it. Show your kids how to walk in the things of God. I'm preaching to myself now because now I'm te- I have to work this out. But that's the decision Jamie and I'm making. We want Elsie to be brought into all that God is doing in our lives. There's scary things about that. I don't know how we're going to do it. By the grace of God, it's all possible. The Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit. But as God empowers our service... It's possible. And the last thing I'll say, let me talk about church because often we talk about serving in church. It's one aspect of servanthood. It's an important one. This church was built because people laid down their time, talent and treasure to build the vision of Jesus. He said, I will build my church. And so to be able to partner with that, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. But can I tell you, what if I told you that your highest purpose in life is not pressing a down arrow to get the next scripture on the screen when the person's preaching. Jono, I hate to break it to you. That is not your highest purpose in life. It's a, wonder, it's a wonderful opportunity for what? For Jono to build the house of God, for him to model servanthood to, eat, to one another, for him to keep his heart in the right place, to just say, hey, I'm going to keep contributing. It's wonderful um, for him to play his role in the community. You know, nothing like a family member who does nothing around the house. You know, you've got to play, we've got to play our part. But I hate to break it to you, but Jono's, if, if Jono was serving so he can get training for the call of God on his life to put screens up, uh, I think we're limiting Jono. Jono is going to be, he's got a great grace to teach the word of God. Uh, all sorts of things in his life that, haven't even been scratched on the surface. All he's doing now is putting himself in an environment where God can do wonders in him. Let's not limit serving to just a role. There is so much bigger, 
there's such a bigger picture involved. So do not, we, we've got to be careful. We don't approach serving in church based on a roster, based on a task, based on something we have to do. No, no, no. This is something we do as a community to build the very institution on the earth that builds that which is eternal. Everything else outside of people and the gospel will fade away. This is building something and, and, and this is building an equipped and empowered body to go and reach the world. Sunday is about the church gathered. Monday to Saturday is about the church scattered. And this is what we're here for is not just to go, great, we did a great service. No, it's to create an atmosphere where people can come, find God, get empowered and go out and serve humanity every single day of their life. And so why don't we stand up? I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to pray very quickly uh, and then I'm going to ask Evan to come up. I want to ask anyone here this morning who has not asked Jesus to be the Lord of their life, to forgive them of their sin and to make them right with God the Father. Jesus came, remember it said, to uh, give his life as a ransom for many. And so this morning, I want to believe together. I want faith to lift in the room that someone here this morning, if it needs to be, is making a decision here this morning to say, I receive the gift that the servant Jesus came to give, which is forgiveness of sin and right standing with God. Could we close our eyes right across this place? If that's you here this morning, Maybe you've been in church for a while, but you've never made a decision for yourself to follow Jesus. Or maybe this is your first time and you have never asked Jesus and this is all a bit weird and, and a bit different for you, but you know something's going on on the inside of your heart this morning that you need to walk out of here knowing that you are right with your heavenly Father who gave His Son for you, who laid down His life for you so that your sin can be wiped away and that you can be made right with God and live your life for Him. And so if that's you this morning, would you lift your hand right where you are? Right now, we're not, we don't have time to linger. I just want you to lift your hand nice and high. I'm going to know that I'm including you in this prayer. And you're going to walk out of here today knowing that you are right with God. If that's you, I'm just going to give you like 10 seconds. This is something you need to decide for yourself. This is something that your parents can't do for you. This is not something you want to delay. This is something you need to walk into and that you can receive the gift that the servant gave of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Five more seconds if there is anyone here this morning. I just want to make sure that that invitation is there and you've got ample time to respond. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray this together anyway because sometimes people are a little bit too scared to put their hand up. So could we just pray this together? Heavenly Father, Thank you for speaking to me today. I believe in your son, Jesus, that he walked the earth, died on a cross and rose again for me. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. Set me free. Come to live in my heart all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.